This is the Pastor and the Guy Next Door, podcast number 19. Good evening. I'm your host, Pastor Simon Chapel, and the other handsome fellow is my next-door neighbor, Bill Wall. Join us as we visit Cobblestones, our favorite Dodgeville coffee shop. This week, we talked about Dodgeville things. We are live. Welcome to the podcast, dear listeners. Good morning, Bill. Morning, Pastor. So we're just mixing it up here. We're hanging out with our good friends at uh, Cobblestones here in the lovely downtown Dodgeville. Because uh, we, we're not sure we wanted to <laughs> sit another, another single digit uh, evening fire. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a little chilly last night. So we're mixing it up. Uh, we have our coffee, I have a, a delicious quiche, uh, and uh, hopefully Bill will now take over and do some more talking so I can keep eating. Well, here we go. How's the quiche? It's really nice. There we go. Yeah, look at that. Awesome. I see that. So you, I saw you were up early today with your kitty hauler, <laughs> picking up children. Beautiful sunrise. Oh, that was such a gorgeous summer. I was driving to, to the depot and... I was looking at the sunrise, so much orange. And, okay, I, I was worried about getting there on time, but I had to stop, run up by the, uh, the water tower and take a picture, and then run back to the jeep and, and keep driving. <laughs> ah, well, I uh, was thinking about perhaps getting up and checking out the sunrise, but that thought quickly vanished from my mind when I. Uh, <laughs> Saw that there was no light yet, and I thought I'm not going to wait for it because I feel really good under the blankets. So I'll make well, it tomorrow. I did it for you and took a picture, so you can say that you saw the sunrise. Yeah, you know today is an interesting fact. Today is the last day that we're going to have ten hours of daylight. Wow! Until <laughs> the beginning of February. So we not better tell enjoy my wife it. that because she she gets very sad with the <laughs> the, the long. Nights. When the days get short, yeah. You know, the one thing I like about it is when everybody decorates Christmas lights, they come on late in the afternoon. Mm. It doesn't really bother me that they go off at 11 o'clock because I'm normally falling asleep in the recliner at 9, 9, 9.30, maybe quarter to 10. <laughs> so I pick up my phone in the morning and say, what kind of weather are going to have today? Because I miss the news. Oh. Yeah. And I feel if there's anything real important, you'll get a hold of me, or Lisa will tell me. My buddy Wags will email me or text me, along with his jokes. Do you get any jokes from... On- I, I, haven't, I haven't received any jokes from him yet. I get, I get uh, occasional sarcastic comments on Facebook. But, uh, yeah. Well, he likes you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's not to like? Otherwise, he wouldn't comment. <laughs> I am looking forward to hanging out with him. That'll, that'll be fun. Well, I think we should 
extend assuming the wag. I get, assuming I get a word in edgewise. Well, you won't. So let's extend <laughs> to wags an open invitation, be it at the cobblestone, be it around the fire pit, be it at another random location. But it's got to be warm. Yes, we can do random locations, but I, I agree with the criteria about warmth. Yeah, this is our first random location. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was thinking maybe in the spring we could jump in the Jeep and drive around. That could be fun. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Ragtop. Yeah, we could put the top down. That may be, might be a lot of wind noise, but we'll have fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People will have to listen real close. Yes, yeah. You could take me out of your route. I could. Uh, it's about 20 miles. Yeah. And we're not going to be going 55 miles an hour. I promise to use my seatbelt. <laughs> it's the law, you know. That's right. People don't have to wear a seatbelt. Uh, well, the bus driver has to wear a seatbelt in the school bus. So. Right. But the kids don't. And that, that seems to confuse people. They say, well, aren't the kids safe? Well, yes, they are if they stay in their seats, which is why one of the main things that you hear bus drivers saying is... Sit down and stay in your seats. You know what? I, I say that a lot. When I was coaching basketball, seventh grade basketball, <laughs> we said that a lot as well. I've coached little boys in seventh grade and little girls in eighth grade. And I tell you what, there is such a difference. The little boys are jumping over the seats. They're playing slap games with their hands. Um, uh-huh. Running up and down the center aisle of the bus for little girls, they braid hair, and they sing songs. Completely different. It's almost like men and women aren't the same. You're right. Almost. I, I had a fight on my bus earlier this week. Let me see. It's Friday, Wednesday, I think. So, um, so I wrote the, the kids up. And, Boy, it's been really quiet on the bus since then. I think they got a good stern talking to. <laughs> I hope from all sides. You know, when I was going to school, if we ever got caught doing anything, now this is a Catholic parochial school in Prairie du Chien, St. John's Nepomuk. First of all, we were afraid of the principal nun. Sister Kalikska, I think was your first name. I'm afraid name? Ju just, just by the name. It's Kalikska, yeah. And then there was Sister Faith. But the, the real threat was Monsignor Monarski. Mm. He meant business. If he liked you, he liked you. If he, you were caught doing something in his eyes evil or unsociable, you had the wrath of Monsignor Monarski. Then you had the wrath of your parents, whatever was left over from Monsignor Monarski. Yeah. Oh, that was today, yeah. If you get doing something at school. Uh, now, I'm old enough that they still had caning back when I was in school. Caning? Caning, yes. Where and what would, is that? Where they would beat your butt with a cane. Oh, they had that at Campion. It was called the paddle. 15 okay, no, this was, I believe this was an actual cane. I never was caned. For the, for the record, I was never caned. I was never paddled either. <laughs> but uh, I did know one guy... Um, he and I got into an altercation. I didn't know I was in the altercation, so he got to swing first. Uh, and he punched me in the nose, broke my nose, and the uh, headmaster, upon uh, quickly evaluating that I hadn't actually done anything wrong for a change, um, took this other young man and uh, 
off to the headmaster's room and spanked him. Or caned him. Caned him. Yeah. And then uh, afterwards, I got to know the guy because we went to the same youth group or youth area. And he discovered I did judo. He's like, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> so glad he <laughs> didn't you didn't retaliate. That you didn't beat the tar out of me afterwards. <laughs> and you know, it's the retaliator that always gets caught. Yeah. Always. I don't, you know, you look at basketball, which I've refereed for 20 years, or not refereed, excuse me, coach, and I've done some refereeing, three-on-threes, which is always a treat because parents never think that their their child does anything wrong on the basketball court. Um, and they're quick to point out, oh, you missed this, you missed that. And I said, well, I'm watching six kids. Give me a break. And they're pretty quick. Yeah. How do you do watching your one or two children? Right. Well, I, I never officiated my kids. So where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, the retaliator. I always would preach at practice. If somebody follows you, let it go. I don't care if they push you down. If you get up and push them back, you're going to be the one that gets the foul. It's the yeah. retaliator that always gets it. Well, here comes a load of buns. Courtney, you got to figure out how to get through the door. I thought that was just called being a mother. So anyway, they they learned after a couple times they'd come to the, you know they they'd have a fault committed and they they would retaliate and I'd pull them out of the game and I'd set them on the folding chair or on the bench and look at them and said, now did you start this? And they said no. Did you retaliate? Yes. And who got the foul? I did. Okay. You gonna do that again? No. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, seventh graders don't believe you when you tell them something. They have to go through the experience in front of a gym full of people. What's that weird age? They're, dopey. They're, they're going well. Yeah, they're dopey. Well, but but at that age, they're they're going from that preteen into that teen, and they're everything in, in their their body and everything around them is changing, and they they just have to learn some things the hard way. Yes. You wish they didn't have to, but. I mean, there's some things you don't want to learn the hard way, like jumping off the top of a tall building is going to hurt, you know, sort of thing. But a lot of the things they need to just realize that, you know, yeah, did that person shove me or, or commit a foul on me? Well, yes, they did. And would it feel really good to push them back? Well, yes, it would. But it's not actually going to be helpful. <laughs> Do they have fouls in cricket? Um, well, cricket's a non... Mostly non-contact sport. I suppose you could be hit by the cricket ball. See you, Court. <laughs> but uh, it's generally non-contact. And then you have things, of course, like rugby, which is, well, opposite. 100%, 100% contact. Right, it's the opposite <laughs> side of the spectrum. You know, like You'll be thrown off the team if you don't hit people. Yeah, but let's go to baseball, which I can pretty much say is kind of like cricket. But they've had some altercations on bench-clearing brawls. A pitch oh, that's through. true. You know, I, I don't believe I've ever heard of a of that sort of brawl in, in cricket. Uh, soccer is, or football as we call it in England, is, is famous for the fans being uh, rambunctious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, you know, maybe there's a little bit of pushing and shoving on the, on the field, but not much. Uh, 
But you know what amazes me about football, if you call it, or we call it soccer, you got one guy keeping track of how many guys on the, on the court or they, a field. They do, have, uh, they do have side... Oh, side judges, right. Judges, yes. But they just tell you if the ball's been out, in or out of bounds. Um, yeah, well, I think they can throw a flag. They, they can throw flags as well. Is that uh, a red flag? So the, what uh, color is the flag? Actually, they don't have flags. They have cards. But they have, they're, I believe they are yellow and red. like. In, and they hold it in the air. Yeah. And blow their whistle. So that's two more guys that the official has to keep an eye on. Well, they, they blow the whistle to, to, to get his attention, but okay. and then they, they can confer on things. But yeah, the, the main referee, uh, I used to car share back in England with a guy that was a, a football referee, and he was, he was trying to talk me into becoming one, like into breaking to one. I really don't actually care much about football, which is almost a cardinal sin in England. Well, you know, he, he probably knew you knew judo, so if you get any problems, you could take care of it. Yeah. I tell you, I have never seen a brawl or anyone even argue with a referee in a judo contest because all the referees are black belts. Oh, sure. Now, there's degrees of black belts, correct? There are, but the, the referees are always senior black belts. And the, the referee in the middle, the, the main presiding referee, is always the most senior of the... of the. So Because you have two corner judges that are mm-hmm. also black belts, uh, and then you have the referee. So the, the main in the center referee is the most senior of the three referees in terms of don't argue with them. So he's probably the highest ranked judo guy at the, the competition. Uh, they'll be one of the highest ranked, yes. Yeah. So nobody's going to be messing around with them. Nobody argues with anybody. No retaliating. At, at, no. No. At, <laughs> judo is one of the, considering that basically the whole point of judo is beat the tar out of the guy in front of you, uh, under strict rules. Well yeah, you pick him up, you throw oh, well, him around, and you flip and you jump you know, there's up arm locks and strangles. You, you can, you know, there's lots of opportunities to get hurt. But considering how much or how robust the actual contests are, everything else is so peaceful and polite and, and calm. Hmm. <laughs> not like a street fight, is it? No, no, it's nothing like a street fight. <laughs> so that always always amuses me, especially when I when I came to this country and I because there's so much organized sport. So you you hear stories of, of parents giving coaches and, and referees a hard time from the sideline. I'm like, they need to just hire judo guys to be the coaches, the, the referees. And the, uh, the abuse would stop really quick. I imagine. <laughs> Especially on a basketball court, the parent gets out of line. These judo guys could just pick them up, throw them on the court, and I tell you what, I've fallen on a basketball court many a times. And it, it's not a pleasant feeling. Those, those are solid, yeah. Yeah, they, they don't give. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think that would solve the problem. Um, but there's not that many judo clubs in this country. In England, there's lots of judo clubs. There's karate as well. I don't know what karate it seems. There's a lot of karate in this country. And there's a growing amount of Brazilian jiu-jitsu or BJJ. We must have a, a great supply of pine planks for people to break. You know, a lot of trees out here. You guys cut them all down and made ships out of them back in the 1600s. That's true. You know, price you got to pay for taking over the known world. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. until steel came along. True. We still own most of what we used to. Until I think we started handing over the last of the countries back to people after the Second World War, and so now, of course, the British Empire no longer exists. But we have instead. 
the, uh, the Commonwealth of Nations, which is kind of like a marketing effort for the uh, for the British Empire. It's it's basically all the same people that were in the British Empire, except we're all much friendlier now, and we, we trade. And, and there's actually countries lining up to join the Commonwealth of Nations. You you have to declare that the, the Queen is super awesome. And, I think you have to put her picture on your money, and, and there's a few rules, but but basically it's like, yeah, come on in. You, know, you get to trade with preferential status and taxes and all that kind of stuff with uh, any other country in the. Sounds like a trade thing to me. It, it basically has turned into a really big trade club. Yeah, but a trade club where we all say, "God save the queen." Okay. So and you, you play know. the same song before every uh, rugby match, or yeah, yeah, yeah. We we pretty much. All like cricket, and most was like rugby. Uh. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, we're getting back to cricket and bench clearing brawls. Yeah, everybody's going white, so of course you're going to see the blood stains. Well, yes, yeah. And those are tough to get out. Maybe, maybe that's the only reason that there aren't fights at cricket matches. Could I, be. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Well, you have to come across yeah. to the states, the Midwest. Think about that now. Yeah. I hope you fall asleep tonight. Not thinking about that. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> so where were we going with this? Oh, retaliating. Yes, and and don't, don't retaliate. No. Yes. No. Well, at least in organized sports. Now, in a, uh, in a in a street fight, which thankfully I've never gotten into one, but any any other kind of fight, uh, again, I still completely don't start it. Uh, in my okay. Well, I mean, my general self defense advice to people is don't be start out with don't be there so well, if, you, if you know that there's a, a trouble area try not to be there um, step two is leave before trouble starts so I use back before I was in the church back in my misspent youth I used to uh, drink at a number of establishments in the, the Plymouth England area some of these establishments were, should we say, dubious. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun for a bunch of people. It, it seemed fun at the time. For roughnecks. Uh, one of them, uh, let me see, I think it was called the Breakwater Inn. Uh, it was in a bit of a rundown area on the outskirts of Plymouth. And one of the local chapters of Hell's Angels, because we actually have those in England, um, that was their drinking pub, which meant that they tried not to get into fights there because that was where they went for their, their, their quiet drinks just to hang out. Uh, they weren't looking to cause trouble. But if trouble came along, they, they weren't afraid to mix it up. Uh, so uh, myself and a number of friends, we would, we would go and we would drink there. And every so often, I would say, I think we all need to leave now. <laughs> and our group would leave. And then, you know, like a day or two later, I'd read in the, the local newspaper about how there was another stabbing at the Breakwater Inn. And so, yeah, so I violated my own rule of don't, don't go where there's going to be trouble. But I was pretty good at leaving before it actually started. Because one of the good things about judo, uh, just from the way that you do judo, you, I mean, when you're actually fighting somebody... You can only do judo when you've got hold of them. So you're never more than arm's length away from your opponent. I mean, we're closer than we are now, and we're close. 
Uh, so you get used to seeing, looking at people and watching when they're about to snap. Because one of the things you do in, in, in martial arts is you try to goad people into overreacting. Because then they don't... Uh, any move they make when they're overreacting is going to be less skillful. Uh, they, they, because it's more out of anger and frustration than pure skill. Mm-hmm. And so when they make a less skillful move, it's easy... If you're calm, which hopefully you are, you, and you you know what you've been doing, you know you've been trying to wind them up, trying to goad them, and then they make some kind of um, muscle man, caveman type move, it's, it's easy to take them out. So you learn to see on their face and in their whole demeanor, how they're standing, when they're just about to make that switch, and then you know that you can you can take them out easy. It, it's, it's part of the... Uh, the, the psychological ops uh, operation, psyops as they call it, that, that you use in, in contests. Uh, they probably do it in MMA as well. I, I don't know, but uh, I know we used to do this in judo. We, you, you, you're just trying to go, and, and you know, I would, I would be able to tell when other people were doing it to me, and I would just smile. In fact, sometimes I would be so calm, just smiling at my opponent, which is. Thankfully, not against the rules, but oh, it wound so many guys up because <laughs> it meant that their trying to goad me was not working, and then they would, I would end up goading them. And the first few times I did the accident, then I realized what was happening. So I just smiled a lot at my opponents, <laughs> <laughs> and it just messed with them. And then I beat a lot of them because they would get angry, and then of course, then they're not uh, fighting skillfully, and they're easier to beat. What if what you run out? Now, what? every so often you come up against somebody who's really good, and they'll, they'll just beat the tar out of you, but that's, well, that's no, life. I was going to go back to this pub and these Hells oh, okay. Angel guys. What if you've got a really, really long arm, much longer than yours, and a long knife? Um, well, that's where the trying to... Okay, so let's go back to the rules. It's a good question. So trying, don't go where there's going to be trouble. Leave before trouble happens. If trouble starts happening, and it... Yes, sometimes trouble can, can happen in an instant, but, but mostly it builds. Talk your way out of it, and then if necessary, just run. Uh, run away. Um, that doesn't sound very brave, but it's very successful at not getting hurt. Yes, and keeping your name out of the paper. Yeah. You know what my yes. philosophy was? When you're going to these places, just make sure you have a bunch of guys with you, and they're all really big guys. That way nobody's going to mess with you. Well, I was a really big guy that everybody liked to invite along to the pub. Yeah, so you so would have been like one six, of the guys. Six two fit and did judo. So so I was very popular for the, oh, hey, we're all going down to whichever pub. Yeah, I'll come along. Um, then a friend of mine, uh, Martin Baker, his nickname was Badger. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away about a month ago. He would, he would often come along with as well and he wasn't as tall as me but he was a, a, a solidly set fellow and if he and I were standing there pe- you could you could just see people would take a detour around us <laughs> <laughs> I mean he he was as gentle as a puppy uh-huh. but he looked like he wasn't <laughs> kind of a and scruffy looking and guy and he usually forgot to shave so he looked okay. like he was going to be trouble if you messed with him and so it, it's hilarious when you see drunk hell's angels bump into you and apologize oh yeah because you know, we're a couple of big lads and they're like I don't want to mess with them and 
Yeah. Especially it's, if it's set through a watering hole. They don't want to be yeah, breaking yeah, they, glasses they, they and stools. They don't want to start any fights because they want tables. to be able to go back there. And there's a couple of big guys. And, and I would usually prefer the help to uh, diffuse the situation. So they would apologize if they bumped into us. I'd go, no problem, my friend. And you always say friend when dealing with drunk people. Because... <laughs> At that, but if they're that drunk, they, there's not a lot of cognitive process left. So you want to use simple words that they understand that will make them feel happy. So you, you use the word friend a lot. And hopefully they can spell it. Uh, well, I just, need them to, <laughs> I just need them to hear it and realize that somebody's saying something nice to them and there's no need to get angry. Right. <laughs> so that, those are my, uh, those are my uh, suggestions for self-defense. Um, and then, I guess, you know, that's four steps. And then there's always the fifth step of if, uh, if it turns into a fight. And I've never started one, but I've finished a couple. Uh, if it turns into a fight, well, then you, you start beating the tar out of people. But I've been very successful in not getting into fights. So tell me, have you ever witnessed a barroom brawl or like an old western? Have you ever seen those in the saloon I, where one guy... I've seen them on movies and yes, exactly. TV shows, but I've never seen a real one. Again, because of my leave before trouble happens rule. <laughs> oh, I've been places and I, uh, I, was a, I lived at home with my parents my first year at university and uh, it was not unusual for my... My mother knew the breakwater inn was one of my watering holes, and every so often she'd say, I see there was another stabbing at the breakwater inn. I go, which night was that? She'd tell me, I go, oh, yeah, I was there. Well, we left before that happened. Yeah, it seems like, what is it? Nothing <laughs> yeah. ever happens, good ever happens from like, midnight on. Uh, yeah, well, they would, they would close at midnight. So in England, the standard... Uh, pub hours are, well, I don't know what the opening time is, but the standard closing time is 11 o'clock. Uh, or 11 o'clock is when they take, I'm trying to remember, this is last orders, which is a few minutes before then. So you can place your order, you get your alcohol, and then there's drinking up time, which I think is like 15 or 20 minutes. And then, and then they throw you out of the building. The Breakwater Inn, one of the things we liked about that was A, they had music, B, they had a 12 o'clock license, which was unusual because most, most places had an 11 o'clock license. Uh, so we could stay there drinking, listening to live music until, until 12. So that, was, that was back when I wasn't driving a school bus and had responsibilities and children, and uh, I would, would sleep till I woke. So, what was the legal drinking age? 18. 18 for anything? Ale, beer, wine. All alcohol, 18. So, you know, in Wisconsin, it was really, it was different. Every state had control over their own drinking age. When I grew up, it was 18 for beer only. You could go to an establishment, a bar, but it was a, a beer bar. In some communities, like Prairie du Chien, you could not, they did not have beer bars in the city limits. So this was really smart. The, the fathers of Prairie du Chien thought, okay, we're not going to sell any beer for 18-year-olds or have any 18-year-old bars in the city. But five miles down the road on Highway 18 in the town of Bridgeport, which was where a bridge was, about 10 houses, two bars, and one was called George's. It was an 18-year-old bar. Not very big, 
nice old guy owned it, but they thought, going to keep it out of our city. So all the kids would drive five miles out, get drunk, and then they'd have to drive five miles back. Not good foresight. And then uh, what happened is, I can't remember the date, well, let me take that back, I think I do, it was in the early 70s, late 60s, 69, 1970, where everything, everything, I mean wine, liquor, carry out laws, you could walk into a liquor store, turned to 18. And the reason that was is because if you could go to Vietnam and defend your country, you should be able to drink. So Wisconsin was that way, but Iowa, Minnesota, and Illinois was not. Oh, okay. Now, if you were from a state two states away, like Michigan, North, South Dakota, Nebraska, Indiana, Missouri, you could drink because you were more than one state away. Not thinking about these what poor... Was, what was the logic behind that? Because you had to drive further. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, they, didn't want, they didn't want border jumping going on. Okay. So here you were, you could, you could drink and get drunk with beer, but you could not do it with vodka, scotch, gin, whatever, wine. Okay, I, could, I, could, I can almost understand, I mean, yeah, I don't drink anymore, but you know, people can do whatever they want. Um, I can understand saying, well, you can't drink spirits until, say, you're 21, because that, that's strong stuff. Right. But wine, wine is usually... Not much stronger than beer. Yeah. So, some of the beer I used to drink was pretty strong stuff. Yeah. It was stronger than wine. So, I know when you go to these microbreweries, if they give you a a beer in a small miniature brandy snifter, we'll call it, you okay. know it's at least twelve point six percent. There was one. I don't remember which. Might have been the right word. Anyway, there was there was one pub we went to. If they didn't recognize you, they wouldn't sell you this one particular beer in more than half pints. If you wanted to drink a pint of that beer, they had to recognize you. <laughs> Must have been some pretty was, good stuff. It was called, uh, if I remember correctly, it was called Bishop's Tipple, and it was that was strong. Bishop's tipple. Tipple, yes. So it tipple must have tippled term, over the... No, but a tipple is a term for a, a small drink. Okay. I thought yeah. maybe it was something that would tipple over a bishop. Well, I, I got a feeling a pint of that probably would not. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> so tell me, do they have a lot of microbreweries in England? Uh, yes, but they didn't call them microbreweries. Uh, they would call... Um, they, they didn't differentiate the name of the breweries, but of course they were the big commercial breweries. Uh, and then there were the smaller breweries, but what they did was they differentiated by the... T they, they had a special name for the beer from the smaller breweries. They would call it Real Ale. Uh, there's a was and probably still is an organization in England called Camera, the Campaign for Real Ale, which was basically a rejection of the big manufactured beer. It's like, get rid of this stuff with chemicals in and just give us the old-fashioned beer with taste. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much exactly the same principle behind the, the rise of microbreweries in this country. They just 
called it real ale. And so, um, you know, whether it was beer or lager or uh, whatever, it, it was all categorized as real ale. And there were there were pubs that were, were known for serving real ale, and they would be very popular. And then there were other pubs, mostly like in the middle of town, that would serve the chemical junk, and people would just go there that didn't know any better, or had no taste, or, or whatever. They would drink. Tourist, are you saying? Uh, no, just there are people that, that in England that care about their beer, and there are people that didn't, and so they would. There were people who just wanted to get drunk. They didn't care what they were drinking, and they would go there. The real ale was more expensive because you know, uh, smaller batches, so less uh, productivity savings, uh, better quality ingredients, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I, I like the real ale. Was that a regional thing for transportation? No, it was, that was uh, mostly. But, uh, so for instance, where, where I lived in England before I came over here, I lived in uh, Wiltshire, which is one of the, the counties. It's, um, I'm trying to remember. So I worked in Trowbridge, and there was a brewery in Trowbridge, and I can't remember its name, Ushers, I think. And there was an actual brewery. You'd be walking around at lunchtime, going to get you know, your lunch from, from the store, and you could just smell on the days when they were brewing. They didn't brew every day, but they would they would brew every however many days. And so you go, sniff, sniff, yep, oh, they're brewing today. Um, and then the next, one of the next towns over, eh, like 15, less than 20 miles away, uh, was Devizes, where they had Wadworth, and they made 6X. So, of course, all the pubs in the local area all off offered ushers and Wadworth because... You know, they would get it delivered to them uh, fresh, really fresh. Without preservatives. Correct. Okay. Uh, but then they did also, you could get those beers in other parts of the country, but they would be in the, the, the plastic uh, bottles where, you know, it relied on the, the carbonation and, you know, they would have best by date. But, but they, I don't believe they put any preservatives in it, but uh, you could get those beers in different parts of the country in, in the, uh, the, the big kind of like two-liter plastic bottle sort of things. Um, I didn't often have to buy my beer in those because I lived in the middle of quite a... I know there were other... Some people would call that in the middle of heaven. Uh, well, I suppose. I used to I used to think that way back at the time. Um, so did I. <laughs> so I was very happy living halfway between, you know, where I live was actually halfway between Devizes and Trowbridge. It was like, it doesn't get better than this. That's uh, right. I mean, it, it did get better than that, but at the time, I used to think that was was awesome. You know, I'm looking at Dodgeville. we got New Glarus down the road, not very far away, Madison, uh, Lake Louis, which is made in uh, Arena. There's a, a small brewery in Hillsboro. Green Green. There's quite a few of them around here. Yeah. There's a small one in Mineral Point. Oh. Oh, and they're right. they're brewing beer right below us as we speak. Is that up and going now? I know they were oh, yeah, talking about doing it. Oh yeah, I think it's on tap. Oh okay. On tap at Duke's. Yeah. Well, I I don't partake, so I had heard that they they were going to do it. I okay, so they have done it. Uh, I like the not the beer, but I like the microbrewery at the bottom of. 
mineral point because they they serve nice pasties. Yes, that's also a restaurant. Very good restaurant. Yeah, yeah the pasties are really nice. So you were familiar with pasties before you came over here. I am very familiar with pasties. I didn't know a thing about pasties coming from Prairie du Chien, and I'm only 55 miles away. Had not a clue. Well, pasties are uh, part of my Cornish heritage. My mother is Cornish, so I'm, I'm half Cornish. Uh, and I grew up with pasties. Uh, my mother would periodically make pasties. Oh, they were big thing they would hang over the edge of a dinner plate <laughs> oh, well when you're a teenage boy that makes a difference oh yeah metabolism uh, is a little higher than it yes, is now yes it was um, the body fat percentage was lower and the metabolism was higher and activity level was up <laughs> yes it was well that judo that that oh, yeah. build up a, an appetite on a, on a young man uh, yeah so I I grew up with pasties there were pasty shops in most towns in certainly in Cornwall I would be surprised if there wasn't a pasta shop in every single town in Cornwall and many towns in Devon which is the next county up um, I went to university in Plymouth which is in Devon right next door to, to Cornwall and there were uh, at least three or four pasty shops they, they literally just sold pasties so in the morning, they would come in, they would make and cook pasties. They would start selling them, I don't know, 10, 10.30 in the morning. And the store would close when they sold all their pasties. They always sold all their pasties. Well, they're best fresh. They were very good. And that was literally all they sold. And so uh, there were and there were several of them. So everyone was competing to make really good pasties so there was no well that's good enough no they had to make good pasties because you could just walk a, another 100 200 yards and buy your pasty from the other guy mm -hmm. so uh, so these but, shops were they more like out of somebody's house or did they have regular no, they bakeries actual, they were actual shops in the in the city center or downtown as you would mm -hmm. we call it okay. city center um yeah no they were they were just because when I was at the university, I would walk. The university was right on the edge of the of the city center. I would walk over, get a pasty uh, or two, <laughs> then go back to school, and then eat them while I was walking back to school. Yeah, that was uh, kind of like a sandwich. Um, well, I, just like people would do with a sandwich in this country. Yes, so I, I would go and get them, and, and it was really nice. Or sometimes I'd buy two. Um, eat one and, and save the other one for the evening because they reheat nicely. Yes, they do. So that was that was a very common thing for me to do. So I don't know how many thousands of pasties I have eaten, but it's got to be multiple, at least two, maybe three thousand pasties. Just yeah, because I that was pretty much my lunch. <laughs> And some days I'd buy one, some days I'd buy two. Yeah, you know, we've turned into a burger fry, a burger and fry society, and then you run into your salad places, if you're health conscious. Well, I like salad occasionally. It looks nice decorating around my steak. Oh, yeah? Yep, yep, yep. Add a little color with some orange and tomato. Sure, yeah. It can make it very, very aesthetically pleasing.
Yeah, sometimes yeah. you throw a little apple in it. Mm. A lot of different uh, salads, yeah. salad dressings for oh, different flavors. Wow. When I when I first came when I first came to this country, I was blown away with the the choice of salad dressings because. Uh, I, when I first came here, I came for a week, and then I it was a couple of months later. I came back for what was supposed to be six months, and his six months is now basically coming up on twenty-five years. You feel the salad dressing variety is very multicultural from uh, every part of the world. You've no, got your Mexicans, no, I, I, your, your Asian. No, I think it's just European. that in this country, people like choice and more power to it. But in England. Maybe maybe fancy people in cities do it differently, but most people in England, there's this stuff called salad cream, and it's kind of like a yellow gloopy thing, and you you slather that on top of your salad, and that's your salad dressing. And you mix it up so you no, get a little taste of it and everything. Uh, no, you just kind of pour it on the top. It's a it's a bit gloopy, but um, yeah, you you pour it. it. It's about the same consistency as tomato ketchup. And you would you would pour that on the top of your salad, and then you'd eat that, and you had salad dressing on your salad. That was salad dressing. You mean tomato ketchup, not tomato ketchup. We're in the Midwest, right? <laughs> but I guess we are reaching to different points of the we're, world. We're, we're we're being very international today. Okay. Um, so yeah. then I came to this country. And the, on my first visit, uh, we stopped. We uh, got the rental car, and then we went somewhere to eat before going to the hotel. Uh, or maybe after the checking in, but that evening, and we go there and um, we get something. It has a, a, a salad, and the lady says, uh, "Would you like dressing with that?" And, I, and so, of course, I say, "Well, what have you got?" <laughs> and she just rattles off this list, and uh, the other guy that was with you was also English, but it been over to America enough times that he, he knew how uh, this stuff went. He was just laughing at me. I must have looked shell-shocked. <laughs> well, you know, I have to interject here. Uh, Lisa, my wife, wanted me to go to the grocery store one day and get some chocolate chips while I walk into the local grocery store. And there in front of me was a six-foot wide, six-foot high shelving unit with variety of chocolate chips. White, mixtured, semi-sweet, half semi-sweet, oh, yeah. diet. It's like, okay, and I didn't have my cell phone, so I'm thinking, well, what do I normally see in the cupboard? So I had to go by memory, which, oh, I mean, how many guys Yeah, that's, do that's dodgy right away, yes. Yeah, yeah, so I bought, I think, three different kinds, and hopefully one was right. And different sizes, chunks, big chips, mini oh, chips, yeah. chips covered with... Uh, sugared coating like M&M's oh <laughs> we'll have to be a little bit more specific as I looked at my list I have to make notes yeah well my, my wife has finally learned if she sends me to the store she A had better be near her phone because if she isn't I'll buy whatever I like that sounds so if she had asked for chocolate chips and hadn't specified and if I couldn't reach her then I would probably just buy white chocolate because I love white chocolate and you're like, well, that's not what I wanted. Couldn't reach you. Yeah, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> Couldn't reach you, and it didn't specify on this. So she's learned. She's much more specific if she she asks some things uh, from the store. 
and well, she makes sure she has her phone on her. Especially if they, they're following the recipe. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, funny. Yeah, recipes, I just, uh, I kind of look at what my wife does and then emulate. Well, I think maybe a little of this, a little of that. Hmm, you know what, this would taste good in it. Or maybe chop up some onions and throw it in. I'm really good at doing a variety of different kind of spaghetti things with spaghetti sauce. Oh. And I like it red sauce and she likes white sauce so now we uh, make the pasta and we have warming up a little white sauce and a little red sauce oh okay yeah so it's kind of like a restaurant the uh, the chapel household is is pretty much consistently in favor of red sauce so that helps yes uh we we do like oh we love spaghetti and meatballs that is just one of our things we eat that on sunday because that's Sunday is basically our, our high carb day, uh, especially now that I'm trying to. I'm, I'm back. Well, this is my fourth day of being, fifth day of being back on the slow carb diet, so I'm trying to do low carb uh, and, and keep my carb count down. Which uh, so by doing that, you, you you're good. You're low carb for six days. And on the seventh day, you can just eat anything. Oh, so, okay. This, this Sunday I may re, I may specifically request uh, spaghetti and meatballs and I, my wife again she has learned over the years to do a really big pan of spaghetti <laughs> I can eat spaghetti forever I can I remember one time uh, <coughs> when I was younger of course uh, my my mother she's a mother of two boys so you'd think she'd be used to how much boys could eat uh, my brother was I, I always, I think I had a bigger appetite than my brother, but he still had a good appetite. Uh, he wasn't, wasn't picky in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and I remember we had spaghetti and something, probably meatballs. And I was like, well, that was nice, but I could, I could just eat more spaghetti. So she's, I would get fuller on was, other foods than, than spaghetti. Yeah, no, no so, my, so my mother was like, no, no, you couldn't. I could. She said, well, Careful what you wish for. I'll cook. You. I got a pound of spaghetti up in the cupboard. I'll cook you it. And you have to eat it. I go okay. So she cooks it. Think, I'm sure she was thinking. Well, I got him here. There's no way he could sit down and eat a pound of spaghetti. <laughs> I ate that pound of spaghetti and said that was delicious. Thank you. <laughs> Every last noodle of it. There you go. <laughs> was that the long ones where you put it in your mouth and you'd suck it in and it? Yes. The, it, yep. Oh, wonderful. Like 18 the, inches long. Uh, Two feet? They're, they're, however long the, the, the usual length of American noodles are, the ones in England are about twice that length. So do you put them, you break them in half or do you just, no, put them you, just you, watch them you, you melt just, down? You just gently feed them into the, the hot water. You can buy the shorter noodles. but That's no fun. When you're I a know. kid, you got to watch it melt. I know. So I, I love the longer ones. and It's great fun. You twirl them on your fork. And, oh, it's just it's a work of art and then you eat it. Yeah, not, you know, the shorter ones, you got to keep on turning and turning yeah, and turning as, and you lift it up. it's not as much fun. Then you turn it more and then whatever you turn, it seems like it flips off on the other side, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, the, the really long noodles stay on the fork better. I think they taste better as well. Yeah, not like SpaghettiOs. Right, yeah, see, the longer the spaghetti, the tastier. The, the short ones, no good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love spaghetti and I love... Uh, can you even get the long spaghetti in this country? I, I, don't, I don't know. Remember seeing, I remember seeing. I think you have to go to a specialty shop. It oh, takes maybe. up too much space on the shelf. Yeah. You yeah. know the shelves are only so long, so they probably make the boxes maybe. Everything's got to be standardized. Like a foot. 
Yeah. It's kind of like the railroad tracks. Came from the Romans, you know. That, that's what they say. Yes. Now, there's, there's people dispute that, but it sounds reasonable to me. I, it does. I'm, I'm inclined to believe that. You know, because when they made railroad tracks, they didn't make the cars yeah. here. They shipped them over in these wooden well, ships. Well, this now in England they did have different widths of railroad tracks because they were actually different railroad companies. In the southwest of England, there was GWR, the Great Western Railway. Sounds like something in from Colorado or Nevada. Uh, the Great Western. Well, yeah. Well, Did they have cowboys the, the in Indians? The southwest of England is, is the west in England. All right. Yeah. Can't go very far west, though. I mean, how far west do you have to go until you're not into the east of England? Halfway? Uh, well, <laughs> yes, of course. Of course, halfway, Bill. <laughs> Uh, we say the Mississippi River here. Yeah, um, basically a line probably from Portsmouth on up through the country would, would be the dividing line. So east, now were the, the east or west of from the east or west? Well, they okay. So we would say they were from the Midlands slash North because they were from Liverpool. So was there different accents up there? Oh, there's different accents all over the place in England. Yes. Yes, they have what you would call a Liverpudlian accent, as opposed to a Mancusian accent from, from people from Manchester, which was somewhat close to Liverpool. Do they pronounce words different, like potato and potato and tomato no, and tomato? No, it's just, it's just the, the, the accent of the way they speak. So in the same way that there's different accents in this country, if you go down south, they, they speak differently. May pronounce a few words differently, but mostly it's the same pronunciation, just with very heavy influence of the accent. I see. Uh, yeah, when I went to Loris College, there were a bunch of guys in Chicago that I called it a fake New York accent. They talk out of the side of their mouth. I says, don't, don't give me that fake New York stuff. Just tell me. Be a Midwesterner. That's where you're from. Yeah. And some of them didn't like that, but I didn't care. <laughs> Well, they're from Chicago. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you hurt their feelings. That's true. They don't have any. No, no, not at all. <laughs> well, some did. Well, yeah. Still no sympathy. Flatlanders. Very true. Very true. I can't use the other term for people from Illinois, but uh, I, I, I well, can't Well, yeah, because you can't bleep it out. I can't. <laughs> I, I don't say it in front of my children. Uh, so I just don't say it. But, but flat, there's only, Flatlanders. Is there's good. only very few of them, you know. The the squeaky wheel always gets noticed. Well, true, true. But uh, well, depending where you go in Wisconsin, there's lots of them. Uh, when my wife and I were courting, uh, we would go to Lake Geneva. Oh yes, you'll because find because that was that was close to where she lived uh, at her parents' house, and uh, we would we would go over there. We would. You know, take walks, go for coffee or ice cream or, or whatever in the uh, walks in the, the good weather and then the, the bad weather. We might take a really quick walk along the, the waterfront and then scurry back to the coffee shop. Uh, but that place was full of people from Illinois. All of the parking was filled with cars that had Illinois license plates. And that's okay. It helps our economy. Well, yeah. I mean, they're... they're depositing money into Wisconsin, so I certainly appreciate that. Um, yeah, oh man, so, so many Flatlanders. <laughs> and you know, most of them, like I say, are very great people. It's probably 5% 
that you would call the other yes term. yeah most mostly the politicians yeah or yeah or people that <laughs> would people. hang around from eleven till twelve at at your place and and then that you would leave before things began exactly yes yes oh funny you know getting back to that it's my uh, my kids they would go out at 10 o'clock yeah that's when they start and we would go out right after we finished dinner <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then when the bars closed down and that was an interesting thing in Dubuque too when I was there in uh, like 1971 to 75, the bars on Saturday night had to be closed at midnight. Everyone out and the lights okay. out. So they were scurrying people out at closed midnight. and shut down. Yes. Okay. Boom. There was, there was no uh, drinking time and last order. Nope. No, well, okay. that was at 1130 on Saturdays. Oh, okay. But now we were at, on the river across from East Dubuque. Yep. in Illinois. So you would see a caravan of cars going across the Julian Dubuque Bridge at midnight. <laughs> and it was just a non-stop. And I was one of them. But then you'd drive around trying to find a parking spot. So sometimes you'd have to park ways away, cross the railroad tracks. It was like in a field. Then go downtown. And they would stay open until or serve alcohol until 3 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. Then after that, you know, maybe you went for your passy, we went for a foot-long chili dog at 3 o'clock in the morning. Bad decision. But we keep on doing it Saturday after Saturday, a foot-long, and they would pull it out of a Nesco cooker of hot water. And then they would pour canned chili over the top, and then if you were real brave... And your intestines could take it, they would sprinkle raw onions on it. Bad decision. I, I have made some similar bad decisions, different food. Uh, so in England, the, the two most popular things to go out and look to eat after you've partaken of too much falling down juice. Uh, Fun stuff. Is <laughs> Indian curry. And hot oh, that and would spicy. be hot. Yep, hot and spicy Indian curry because... Uh, most Indian food in England is hotter and spicier than it is in this country because I think they're worried. Most of the Indians here that sell food to Americans are worried about being sued for liability serving, of serving something that's too hot and spicy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or what we would call kebabs in this country, you call them gyros. Gyros? Yeah, gyros. Okay. Yeah, the uh, the Greek. Uh, well, in England, it would be minced lamb that was cooked and then shaved shaved yep Uh, and you would have hot sauce on top of that because you know if you're not having hot curry you gotta have hot sauce on your 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 gyros Uh, so those were the I believe the two because the Indian uh, takeout stores we call them takeout carry out they would stay open late because and they would often be located conveniently near where most of the pubs were. Uh, where the traffic they, was. They, they knew <laughs> that people were going to leave that pub 
and come straight over to them. It's all even, based on location, location, location. Yes, yes it is. Uh, even the small town that I lived in in, in England before I came over here, uh, we had an Indian takeout, and then around the corner we had the, the, the gyros shop. And so, yeah, whichever pub you came rolling out of, it was equally easy. So basically, I would go, oh, this one this time, or that one, or if I could remember which one I went to, I went to the other one. And <laughs> so, so, yeah, I have, I have eaten lots of hot, spicy food after drinking too much. And, <coughs> yeah, that's a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> one uh, Saturday evening, I was at a friend's apartment getting back to the debut having to be out at midnight. Right. And it was just so much fun watching the cars go back and forth. And I made a good decision just spending the night on the sofa because we wanted to see the cars come back at 3. And it was the same procession coming back from East Dubuque. Wow. Wow, that's hilarious. But yeah, you, you were saying that your kids would go out. Like, I remember... Oh, I'm 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 tired just thinking about this. So I, when I was at university, I was in Plymouth, and uh, I worked a couple of nights a week as an evening warehouseman at the J Sainsbury uh, supermarket. And so on a Saturday night, I would get out of there at ten thirty because they they shut earlier on Saturday nights, which meant that the bus warehouse guys could do our stuff starting earlier and we were out earlier so I think we were out by 10 30 the other nights the other night we were out at 11 30 because the store didn't open on Sunday so this is this is how old this story is and so I would get out of there 10 10 30. if we really worked hard we could sometimes get out of there by 10 uh, if we had a good manager and some of the most of the managers were good they knew us they said look you're paid till 10.30, but if you're done at 10 and everything is exactly the way it needs to be, I'll open the door and you guys can go. I don't care. It's like, we'll talk about motivation. Oh, yeah. So we would, and our evening crew had got a reputation of, yeah, if you offer us that, we will just bust stuff. We will, Everything will be taken care of. A lot of, of scurrying around and making was, sure everything is yeah. neat. We had a little bit of fun, but there was a lot of scurrying because we wanted to be out of 10. So we'd get out between 10 and 10.30 as soon as we were done. And then I would go over to, again, this was back back in the day, I'd go over to the, I can't remember what it's called, but it was, they had rock night at this one kind of club. It wasn't quite a disco, but it was it was... Anyway, they, they did disco-y type things the rest of the week, but Friday night was rock night. And they had a two o'clock license. So not so, quite three. So they could be open till two but stop serving? Uh, they they would do last orders shortly before two. And then there was, so you, you could place your order. All orders had to be done. All transactions had to be finalized by 2 p.m. And then there was like, I think 20 minutes drink up time. Okay, so now in this country, bar time there's a clock in every bar that they put ahead 10 minutes if not 15 okay. so you'd look at that clock and you look at your wristwatch or now your cell phone and that clock was 15 minutes fast nice. to make sure everybody was on because you always get these trailers sure 
Well, it depends what the rules are. In England, there was last orders, and then there was drink up time. So that that's just the way it was. But were they, the clocks exact? I believe so. I, I okay. never. I never. over here, they are Or they weren't. They could be yeah. changing now because they haven't really stayed out that late. It's just not a right. good decision for. Well, a guy every, in the 60s. everybody has cell phones now, so right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember. I'm not even sure if they had clocks. <laughs> <laughs> They don't Las but Vegas. But back then, people used to wear wristwatches. I don't wear wristwatches. You know, like, it's a, it's I do. A, I need a blank. something around my wrist. Yeah, the blank space on my wrist where, back when I was younger, I would have a wristwatch. But, uh, yeah, so I would go to this, this rock club and I'd be, yeah, so I'd leave work, go straight over there, uh, and, uh, yeah, because we could, we could dress kind of casually once the... The customers were, were out of the store and do our scurrying around. So, so then I would I would go over there and uh, be there by by eleven and uh, dance and drink until two in the morning, and then get up and go kayaking all day the next day. It's amazing how little of sleep you could use or needed oh, when you were yeah. younger. And then I would sleep till past lunch on Sunday. <laughs> it's so funny. Good thing yeah. you had those passes that you could, real, could warm up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh. so there we sit. So what do you got going for the rest of the day? Uh, I'll be driving this afternoon. Okay. Uh, so uh, we've got some drivers are doing things. I think I'm filling in for Ed this afternoon. He's he's taking a bus full of musicians from the middle school down to Dubuque. They're going. Uh, they'll be there until like five thirty. So I think it's uh, some kind of music clinic or, or something. Must be at one of the schools, colleges. Uh, actually, I think it's the, the uh, Great River Center. The, oh, the, the fancy one down right down the, the river. Front. The yeah, new the development. Yeah, that's yeah, a nice that's, place. It's really They've nice. done a lot to yeah. do. And it's, that's actually owned by the city. Did you know that? No. Well, city center, I suppose it would be. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's really nice. So, he, he's down there, so I'm filling in for, for his route. So, I'll be taking his, his little monsters home. Hopefully, you don't have to write anybody up. No retaliating. Yeah. I don't think a kindergartner or first, second grader knows what the word retaliation means. Yeah, I don't know if I've had to write up anyone on a substitute route yet. So, we'll see. Have you substituted for his route before? Yes, yeah, and I've, I've got it mapped out, so. Okay, uh, easy. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's a little bit in town. And then going out uh, to Y and YZ, and you get almost to 151 on, on YZ, and then you do your last drop there, and then you just turn around and come back. So uh, it's it's reasonably straightforward. That's good. Me, I'm going to do the retirement thing. I have a little work screen printing work to do to set up one one shirt. One shirt did not come in with the rest of the order, but the order had to be done. And, you know, there's human error with everything. One shirt did not get picked 
properly. So hopefully that will be here today so the order will be 100% done in the books and then get on to the next thing. That and then set up another project, another 80 shirt screen set for the, the guy that's going to come in after work. Did you do the shirts for the high school play? Yes. Into you, the woods. Yes, I thought you probably was Kate had in that. Yeah, Kate was in that. Okay. Yeah. How was yeah. that show? Uh, that was good. Um, it was longer, uh, so let me see. We all we all went, and then at the intermission, my wife left and took Peter because the intermission was at eight thirty. So oh, it's a long it's one. A, yeah. It's a long play. Uh, and then we didn't get out of there. It's a 15 minute intermission. We didn't get out of there till 10. So I enjoyed the first half. I dozed off during the second half. Well, I got up at 4 30 that morning. Well, so, I, I'm going to give you some leeway. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> uh, you didn't tell Kate, Kate that you slept or dozed off. I don't remember. Do you do one of these I'm things where worried. you kind of close your yeah, eyes yeah, and I your just, head dips up and you look, you, you, all of a sudden you startle yourself? Yeah. And you're looking around, did anybody see me? <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't too worried. The lights were down low. So oh, okay. Uh, but we went last night to, to watch it, and then we'll go Saturday night. She said she wanted us there for first night and last night because those are the, the best, she said, those are the best performances. So, okay. So I have to, uh, tomorrow I need to try and take a nap so that I can stay awake for the second half of the show. I enjoyed the first half. But the second half, I don't know, they just seemed to be a bit slow in getting going. Or the, the plot wasn't as easy to follow. And so I, That's a tough one to follow. I, I was at the high school as well. Chuck Tank, a history teacher, is offering an adult history class. No homework, no notes, no tests. Just sits there and he tells us history, you know, for people that want to know things. Oh, that's cool. And it was the inductory or the inaugural um, class and it was fun that was last night? that's 6 o'clock till quarter to quarter six. to 7 excuse me oh ok so 3 quarters of an hour yeah it was just fun sitting around with a bunch of old people learning about history well there were a couple of younger gals that I didn't know I think they were teachers that, okay. that Chuck probably shamed so what, into coming so in the, to find out what's going on in my class. What era of history was he talking well, about? Well, we started, uh, we taught... Because this is where I could do the English thing and say, well, you don't have much history to talk about. Well, we started with George I could, Washington. I could just say that, you know, just, just say it. You know, George Washington, <laughs> when, you know, we wanted to know about, he said, what do you know about George Washington, first president, um, you know, two terms, the only president that was unanimously elected. And I said, yeah. Turned down the offer of being king. Yeah, he did, because yeah. they wanted him a third term. He said, nope, two is enough. And so from there on, it's always two terms for the president. And uh, I, said, I said, yeah, he started a, um, aspiring, which won the war. And then we went on to Lincoln. What do you know about him? And he, did you know he was the only pro He was elected by 40% of the vote, won the Electoral College, had a majority of that, but 40% of the vote. But there were four guys running for president then. Oh, okay. And then uh, Marilyn Monroe snuck in there somehow. Hitler snuck in there somehow. Well, you know, he was a, a dominant figure. 
you know. So it was. I that. believe I may have heard of him. And, and then he talked about uh, events that happened, like Pearl Harbor, 9/11. You know, these were just changing. So you Historical. Got, you got quite events. the overview there. Is he going well, yeah, yeah, to dig in more? In well, and, and then he handed out a piece of paper. This is the first thing he did: hand out a piece of paper. He said it was pre-revolutionary war, uh, revolutionary war to eighteen mid eighteen hundreds, and then you know we it, it got down into uh, uh, the progression to today, like the fifties till now. I didn't care about that because I lived it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to know anything about that. Well, I just want to learn about those. you know yeah. earlier right. on how just people got around and how did cities develop and why did they develop where they were? Yes. And you know what were their customs? And then I'm th- thinking, well, geez, you know, we come over here and we take the land from the Indians. What do they think about that? Not very much. Yep. Indeed. So anyway, it was, it was a great class, but I have a lot of questions and things, so it's, I'd like to watch History Channel about people. Yeah, I, I listen to a number of uh, history podcasts, and there's some really good ones out there, uh, because once I got out of school, I discovered that I really liked history when I was learning things that nobody was going to test me on. Well, I'll give you that. Like oh, I don't have to memorize these pieces of information to burp them back up in the test. Oh, well, this is much more interesting, and oh. it's almost like I would get more out of it because I wasn't worried about well, how am I? Because I have such a bad memory. How am I going to remember this stuff? Well, so that makes you a good pastor. You don't lie. I mean, I've got a good memory too, so I don't lie. <laughs> then you no, got to back it up. And I don't lie. Plus, lies. you can tell me anything because I'll forget it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> you know? the police ever call me in and say, what do you know about this member of your congregation? I go, hmm, yeah, not much is coming to mind. <laughs> well, I, ch- I changed insurances and they asked me questions and I said, well, to the best of my memory and knowledge, and that's all we want. I said, good, because I don't lie. And if proven wrong, email the pastor because I won't answer. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you don't do any work. And I have that busy one-hour-a-week schedule. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I sleep when I want, eat when I want, walk around, exercise when I want, do whatever I want. Within the limits of the law. Okay, well, I'm glad you added that. I was getting a little concerned there. Well, no, I'm not going to turn scoundrel on you. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a pretty good amount of, of time freedom. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing lots of things, but the computer work I'm doing, yeah, I can fit that in around everything else. Most of the pastoring, I can, I can fit, you know, obviously the Wednesday night and Sunday mornings, those are fixed, but I fit everything else around that. I'll do my work on my sermon whenever. Normally I work on it on Saturday, but, you know, if I get a chance, I work on it earlier in the week. Um, the school bus driving, I ju- I'm only driving in the mornings, so... I mean, I'm, I'm done and back to the depot and in my Jeep driving home before 8 o'clock normally. So uh, that, that really doesn't get in the way of anything. Plus, it, it, it means that I, I can't just say, well, I'm going to lay around in bed on this morning. No, I have to get up and drive my adorable little munchkins to... It's called uh, responsibilities. It, it, 
yes. So that gets my day started because then I'm up and about and doing things and it's like, yeah. So I, I'm hitting stuff that I want to do somewhere between 8 and 8.30 in the morning, which you know, is not that early, but it's not that late either. You know, I like living in a small town. Just looking out the window, I just saw a tractor with two wagons of corn heading north. <laughs> you don't bump into anybody. It's easy to cross the streets. You say hi to people that you know I've known oh, for 40 years. That. It's yes. fun. Actually, over 40 now. How long have you been in town? I've been in town for 20 years now. Okay. So I but got long you. enough that I walk into the, the places that I regularly go. I'll walk in and people will look up and say, Morning, Simon. Or, you know, even at, at Halad, is the, if I go there, I walk in uh, for something for my car. They'll, they, I've been going there for 20 years. So they just look up and say, Hello, Simon. How you doing? Oh, yeah. I've uh, been getting my hair cut over at Vern's for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like his cash register. Oh, that thing's a work of art. It's How high does that go? Uh, $2.99? $3.99? I think it'll do $3. $3 even? I think. Yeah. I'm, I'll have to ask him next time I'm in. I'll, I'll need to get a haircut before Thanksgiving. Get a, <laughs> get a trim. Get a trim. Um, he's, he's used to me coming in. And I go, well... I'll be seeing the bishop next week, so uh, make me look good, would you? <laughs> so I had to go to the planning, the ministerial planning session for the for the district, and it's like, yeah, <clears throat> I'll be seeing the bishop, and uh, I got to talk to the board. So yeah, do what you can with you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you're asking him to work a miracle. I have a walking miracle. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure Shauna says that. <laughs> Uh, after some of the crazy things I did in my youth, it's a miracle that I'm walking. Uh, well, I'll ditto that. It's a miracle I'm still alive. Well, there's a lot there of is. my buddies that would ditto that as well. Uh, our buddy Wags and I, yeah, we had ourselves some some situations. <laughs> and, of course, Hafer, can't forget him. He listens to our podcast in the morning when he walks. Hello, okay. Bill. How are you? Can't say his nickname. Okay. He's from Farley, Iowa, and in Farley, Iowa, everyone has a nickname. Okay. I'm trying to think if I've been to Farley. I might have been through it. Depends where it is. Highway 20, out of Dubuque. Oh, then, yeah, I've been, okay. It goes it. all the way to, I think, well, Council, I, Council Bluffs, maybe? Omaha? I'm not sure. Uh, no, it tapers off shortly after Waterloo. Uh, but there's other... But highway, there's other east-west roads. Highway 20 does go from one coast to the other. The associations sang a song, wrote a song and sang a song. The associations was a, a music group from the 60s that sang a song called Dubuque Blues. And, and there's a couple verses that, I, that stick out in my mind. There's a highway in and back, which is Highway 20. And it says, the, it sings that the west side of the city sells no liquor, referring to East Dubuque, which was <laughs> like the places we don't go to anymore. But now that's all cleaned up as well. I see. Well, you, okay, so you've, you've i got to find a picture. Now you're going to look and see. No, 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 no. Well, I'm, I'm going to look and see something, but it was from Chicago. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Here's a sign that says that's where the, the 
beginning of Historic Route 66 was in Chicago. Oh, yeah. There used to be a TV show called Route 66. And I don't remember what it was about because I don't think it, I watched well, it. I think there was a song about that as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah. there you go. Um, so I, I saw that. I just had my cup of coffee. We were scurrying off to look at the next thing that uh, the family had said we need to go look at. And I'm like, oh, I better take a picture of that. Historic. It's kind of like the, the bronze statue of, I don't even know if it's bronze, but there's a statue of Fonz oh, in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee. Yes, I've seen it somewhere in my, not on my phone, but, but some, the, somewhere I've got, a, I've got a picture of me standing next to, next to the Fonz. Yes. Uh, now, I also took some pictures of the big shiny thing. The um, big shiny thing. In Oh, yeah, we talked about that last podcast. Yes. So there's, there's a picture of my lovely bride and I. We did a selfie with... I think it's called Heaven's Gate, but the locals call it... It's like a Mylar it, balloon. The locals call it the bean. It's like, yeah, it's basically like a big coffee bean. Uh, I think it's huge. It's probably 50, 60 feet tall and 100 feet wide. They it's, do anything in it? No. It's, it's just a big it, hollow balloon. Uh, it, I think it's solid. Yeah. Or it, it's, it's not like a balloon, but it, it's solid and it's reflective. So do I take a picture closer up? So there's a closer picture. So there's all kinds of people taking a picture because then they can take a picture of it and see themselves in the picture. I see. It's, it's a work of art. It, it's art, yes. Yeah. It's like the big spoon and cherry in Minneapolis. Which I haven't seen, so I'm going to have to believe you. You know, we used to see that when we would go to um, Market, downtown Minneapolis, in the Hyatt. I don't miss that. Okay. What, downtown Minneapolis? No, going to Market. Oh. Chicago, Las Vegas, oh, Dallas. Buying clothes. And stuff Minneapolis. And uh, yeah, here, there, and everywhere. We got to be less and less because there were less and less companies. And I, I'll take that back. There were less and less sales reps, and they would carry more brands, more product lines. Okay. We used to go out to Las Vegas, and didn't, we stopped that because... It got so expensive. We used to be able to go to Las Vegas and save money by what we would buy out there. It would pay for our trips. Well, it got to the point that it did not equal out. And we found a lot of sales reps would go out there and look for lines and bring them back for us. So we thought, okay, let us stay in Dodgeville and raise our kids and let the sales reps do the work for us. So they would come back with the interesting new things. That makes sense. But it was always fun going out there and bringing back product that no one in the Midwest would have. And this would, you know, this was maybe 20 years ago. Then all of a sudden it abruptly stopped where it seemed the prices were twice as much as they used to be. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, companies, they try to go nationwide. It, it used to be that people were happy being regional. Right. But now they want to go nationwide. And with the advent of the web exactly you can sell to anyone in the country and direct directly and you, you it's as easy to ship to somebody down the street as it is on the other side of the country uh, and if you don't mind filling out a few uh, immigrant or no, uh, was it tax and export forms you can sell to anyone in the world that's right and, and you know I don't miss retail. 
Especially yeah. this time of year where you're starting to gear up for Christmas and you have to have your your storefront decorated for Christmas and of course there's always that group of people that come in and say, oh, I see you're getting up ready for Christmas. Uh, isn't this a little early? I said, no, because if we don't decorate now, then we can't enjoy Thanksgiving with our family. And I don't want to be down here Thanksgiving Day decorating for Christmas. Yeah, it, it's, it's tough. I remember when I was working at uh, the same trees that I mentioned before, uh, we would start tripping over Christmas stuff back in the warehouse. They wouldn't have it out front, but we would, they would have Christmas stuff late July, early August would be when Christmas stuff would start appearing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they, they would they'd buy, you know, the, or the, the various decorations, if they hadn't been sent from the head office, they would arrive, and there were certain areas where they would store things. And So, yeah, there'd be Christmas stuff in the middle of summer. So you're in a warehouse, which, yeah... The, the weather doesn't get that hot in England, but still, it gets warm enough, and you're like, you're sweating because you're working hard because you want to get out of there. And, oh, exactly. And there's Christmas stuff. It's like this just doesn't make sense. Well, but it, it does make sense, but it, it doesn't look like it makes. Well, sense. you need to get it in, you get it prepped, to get it properly right. dis marketed, displayed. Make sure you got everything. You Merchandise. Okay, have we got everything that we need for Christmas? Yes. Okay. Well, then, then you can get we would be buying product in fall delivery. Fall deliveries would start. Some companies were May, June, July. Some were June, July, August. And then holiday delivery, which is stuff for Christmas, would be July, August, September, or would go August, September, October. And then spring would start November, December, January. Spring too was December. January, February, and then there was summer. Yeah. So you have to look at all the product, and you don't want to put all your dollars ahead because then you have to borrow money from the bank, and the product is therefore costing you more because of the privilege of using the bank's money. True. I'm glad I'm done. Yeah. And then there's the taxes that go with that. Unemployment, state and federal. Yeah state income tax, the withholding tax, state, federal, Social Security, Medicare, and then you have to do reconciliation forms to make sure that you had all your numbers correct. Fun. Yeah, it was fun. So anyway, you know what, Simon? I think I need to get on to my day, my day off. Yeah. Today is... You, you've already got, yeah. Friday, got Saturday. Busy, you got a busy day. Yeah, Friday, yeah. Saturday today. Tomorrow is just Saturday, and then Sunday to, is Sunday. I need to go do a few things, see if I can squeeze in a nap before I drive the bus. So, well, dear listener, spare a thought for us busy guys. We're, yes. uh, we're struggling through. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to make it. It's a very hustle-bustle day for us. <laughs> so with that, have fun. Thank you for joining us. And we are out. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I hope that you enjoyed hanging out with us at Cobblestone's Coffee Shop. 